Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to give you the best tools that are out there to make yourself and your business as successful as possible. And today we're going to talk about something that is all about, shall we say, self-promotion. And several people I know just cringed and went, ew, but folks... You are always promoting yourself, whether you are an entertainer, a speaker, an entrepreneur, small business owner. Heck, even if you're just an employee in somebody's company, you always have to be promoting yourself and doing things that capture people's attention. And to that end, we're going to be speaking with a fabulous guest today who is an expert in podcasting, in entertainment, in promotion, about all of those great things. And so please join me in welcoming Bruce Worsniak to our program today. Good morning, Deb. Great. Well, you know, I'm just so happy that I said your name right. And, you, know, it's, <laughs> you and, and me both. <laughs> I know you. And that's actually one of those things. And we, we're going to be discussing podcasting at length. But folks, if you are interviewing somebody, you've got to get their name right. You know, and even if you have to phonetically spell it out, even if you have to practice it 20 times, all these various things. And then, of course, you know, there's people like me who get the wrong one stuck in their head and, you know, and, and all those things. But, you know, it's get your guest name right. You know, that's just kind of a, a given. But eek, sometimes it doesn't happen. And how and how I, I couldn't agree with you more when you go through life with a long Polish last name like mine, that becomes priority number one when you're interviewing someone or even when you're about to just call somebody for the first time and you want to make a good first impression, of course, and nothing's going to start the call off on the wrong foot, like mispronouncing someone's last name. Right. You know, and, and it's funny because a lot of people mispronounce my last name. They say Cryer and it's actually pronounced Creer. Now, I answer to both. You know, it's kind of like, OK, whatever. But when someone has taken the time to say it right or to ask me, I'm like, ooh, OK, hmm, that's nice. Um, so you know, we really digressed here at the start. <laughs> but before we go on any further, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So Bruce Wozniak is the founder and president of Tampa-based Now Hear This, which was built on a foundation of management, promotion, and booking in the entertainment industry. But it has grown to provide communication services, including public relations, media relations, marketing, the web, and social media to clients who also include authors, small businesses, and even an Olympic athlete. Bruce is also the creator and host of Now Hear This Entertainment, a weekly podcast that has gotten listeners from 128 countries around the world and features interviews with guests who are having success in the entertainment industry. The podcast has also spawned a three-volume ebook series titled Bruce's Bonus Book. He has been a speaker and workshop leader at events ranging from a content marketing summit in Tampa to a songwriters festival in Alabama and even a workshop in Nashville held at the ASCAP ASCAP headquarters. See, I always want to pronounce it an acronym. The ASCAP headquarters. Bruce has a long career in sports and entertainment public relations. So again, Bruce, welcome. Thank you so much, Deb. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and to your listeners. Well, first, you know, let's let's start with why did you decide that this was something that you wanted to get into? Meaning podcasting? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, ironically, when I started my podcast, I thought that it was just going to be a marketing tool for my business. Okay. As someone who promotes and manages and books entertainers, I thought, well, if I do a podcast, I'm going to be able to reach people in markets other than the greater Tampa Bay area. Mm -hmm. And someone listening to my podcast in insert city here, we'll say uh, Des Moines, Iowa might hear me and say, well, this Bruce guy sounds like he knows what he's doing. So I had to contact him and see if he can manage and promote me long distance. And it was a natural fit for me because I have a long broadcasting background and I thought, well, this is a perfect fit. And so I thought I would jump right in and see what kind of business it would drum up for me. Mm -hmm. And little did I know what I was getting into. And I say that with a smirk because uh, now here I am three and a half years later, having done over 180 podcasts, and it has really immersed me into the world of podcasting. 
and let me see what that is all truly about. Mm -hmm. So what I thought I was getting into it for really became something different the more and more that it went on. Right. You know, and it's funny because that is what happens with a lot of folks. They think, well, I'm going to do a podcast to reach industry experts, to talk to industry folks. You know, and, and they never think, hey, this could be something that, that turns into something big. And, it, it, you know, often it does. Now, you know, we want to clarify that statement with big in the podcast world is not a lot of listeners. I mean, you know, folks, this is we're talking maybe a hundred, couple hundred, and that's that sounds like not very many, but that's actually a pretty successful podcast. And you know, maybe that's what you get live, and then you get you know more that listen to it recorded. So one of the tips that I always tell folks is set. It's not that you're setting your expectations low; it's that you're setting them to be realistic. You know, there's a lot of content out there, and so don't think that hey, you know, you're going to get ten thousand people who listen. Well, and on that note, you know, like anything else, these things take time. Right. When you hear about an overnight success. That is so few and far between. Mm -hmm. And in my case, as I said, the podcast has been delivered on time every week for three and a half years now. So when you do hear that I have gotten listeners from 128 countries around the world, when you're talking about success and big numbers, that's been over a three and a half year span. It wasn't three and a half weeks. And all of a sudden I had people listening globally like I do now. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and it's great because in your book, you have or in your books um and i've i've read the most recent one you've got tons of great tips and that is one of the tips is you know it, it does take a while to build up that audience but one of the things that you said was something that was so key to i think becoming successful in this and that is that your podcast is consistently broadcast same time same day you're not making people think well when is Bruce on this week? Did I miss Bruce? You know, all these things. So why is it so important that you have that schedule? I'm glad you asked that question because a lot of people who are thinking of starting up a podcast usually ask the same handful of questions. Mm -hmm. And one of them always is, how often do I need to do it? Should it be every day? Should it be once a week? Should it be every other week? And I always say, that's up to you to determine. However, once you decide it, stick with that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely deliver it on time when you tell the listeners that they're going to get that podcast because they count on it. And if you think of people who listen during their commute, well, once they leave the house and they're out the door, forget it. Now they're behind the wheel. They can't be fiddling around with their smartphone trying to find your podcast because you got it up late for some reason that day. Or if you decide you're going to take a week off or a day off for some reason, they're not going to understand why your podcast isn't there. Mm -hmm. So they want to know that they can count on you when you say you're going to be there and you're going to deliver what you told them you're going to deliver. And then that way you have a loyal listener who's going to stick with you every day, every week, every other week, however often you tell them that that podcast is going to be there for them. Right. You know, and, and it's just like blogging also. You know, you need to have that consistent schedule. Yeah, exactly. And I do a weekly blog, which, you know, there's a business lesson in this, too, because at some point someone told me, well, you should be blogging also. And I thought, well, OK, that sounds like it makes sense because there's a lot of cross promotion that can take place. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned my, my ebook series and the ebook series, as you read during my uh, bio, was spawned from the podcast. So there's an awful lot of cross promotion going on. The the book series came out of the podcast. The blog came because someone told me, well, that's really kind of another piece of the puzzle. And so a lot of times you'll read in my blog where I will reference the podcast itself or even a specific episode. And there are times on my podcast where I will say, go back and read a recent blog that I wrote, et cetera, et cetera, and I tell them what to go and look for. Mm-hmm. So all these things, it's just kind of one big circular motion keeping people in your funnel where they're just staying with you. But yeah, as you said, that blog has to be delivered on time just like a podcast does. So my blog has been published every single Monday for three years now, and I know that there are people who just know. I mean, I, I never came right out and said – I'm going to do a blog every Monday, and this is what it's going to be about. I started publishing it every Monday, and of course, obviously, I, I promote it very much 
and people know that Monday is the day that it comes out. So just as loyal as I am to my podcast listeners delivering every Wednesday with a new episode, a new interview, same thing on Mondays with a new blog. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and there's obviously tips to be able to do this. Um, you know, for people who have listened to my program for a long time, we originally did this program live. As in, I was in the studio, my guest was in the studio, and, you know, at, at it would have been mountain time, at 9 o'clock mountain time, we were on the air, and people knew that. So they knew that they could listen to the um, internet, you know, uh, the, the uh, link on the internet, or the various Droid and, and iPhone apps to, you know, exactly at 9 on, you know, mountain time on Mondays for the program. Then we transitioned to, I lived here in Atlanta, and live didn't always work. You know, we love technology, but technology doesn't always work. And so I decided with the, the uh, with Mile High Radio's permission that we would pre-record the programs. And I know that's a shock for some of my fans that I'm not <laughs> actually doing it live. We do still promote the program as being live. But being able to pre-record has so many advantages, um, not the least of which is we can deal with technology issues. We can deal with, oh, good golly, my car had a flat tire. I don't have a voice, um, you know, all those various things. And you can edit out the blips and the blurps and, you know, all those various things. Plus, you can get it done in advance. You know, we're doing this actually several days before your program is scheduled to air. And it just makes it much easier then to make sure that, it goes on the air live exactly when you say it's going to. Well, and here's the other aspect of, of podcasting that has trumped radio. And if you notice, radio has tried to catch up ever since. Mm-hmm. With a podcast, it's on demand. You can listen to it whenever you want, whenever it's convenient right. for you, the listener. With the radio, if your show, if I heard you correctly, used to air at 9 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. well, if someone's not available at 9 o'clock at night, then they missed it. Right. Whereas with a podcast, they can listen to it any time. So what radio has scrambled to catch up to try to do is to say, hmm, well, we want people to hear this when it airs live, but we need to find a way to archive it and somehow make it available on our website so people can come back and get it if they missed it. So they're they're playing catch up, whereas this is what has been the case with podcasting since the day that podcasting began. And where that becomes attractive for companies that are starting up their own podcast or companies that want to advertise is they know that their message won't be missed. So if they're putting out a podcast all of their own or if they're putting out an ad, it's not a case of, well, we sure hope that people are going to hear the show that we're sponsoring at four o'clock in the afternoon. Well, they're probably not because not too many people get out of work at four o'clock and those that do depends on when it airs and what kind of day they had and all that kind of thing. As opposed to a podcast, they are choosing, this is what I want to listen to, and this is when I want to listen to it. So they are very dialed in to that particular message, and you know that they are hearing what you put before them because it's airing at a schedule of their choosing. Right. And they can listen to it more than once. You know, I've had people who have told me that they listen more than once, and I'm just always fascinated by that. You know, and, and I asked one person, she told me she routinely listens four times. I'm like, really? Four? Hmm. Wow. And, and, I, I, and I really, I said, why? And she said, well, she listens as she's doing other things. So she misses some of the, the key points. And now, yes, as you're listening, depending on how you're listening to it, you can, you know, go back and, and, you know, listen to things over again. But she prefers just to listen to the entire thing again. That's probably an extreme. I doubt that there's anybody else that listens to my programs that many times. But that is a benefit to a podcast is you can listen to it again or you can listen to it months, weeks, years later. You know, you can think, wow, you know, Deb talked with that guy named Bruce and that was like last year and I'm getting ready to start my podcast. So I need to go back and listen to that. Well, and ironically, that's a little technique that I've come up with that I feel has been very successful for me now that I am three and a half years into my podcast is I have this, I'm one of those people that when you have a casual conversation with me, I will recite a lot of movie lines. Mm -hmm. And that part of my brain has enabled me to store this Rolodex of podcast episodes where I will be in the middle of interviewing someone and they will say just one small something that sparks a flashback to someone else that I interviewed. And I will all of a sudden, when they stop talking, I will tell the listeners, 
By the way, go back and listen to episode number such and such with insert guest name here when we talked about very similar topic. And so I think you brought up a good point, Deb, in that a lot of people feel that, well, this is a year old. No one's going to listen to it anymore. On the contrary, because if people just find your show for the first time now, they're going to listen to it. They're going to enjoy it. And they're going to say, I'd like to see who else has been on here and listen to past interviews. And then when you do hear the host, in this case myself, saying Listeners, go back and check out episode 24 when my guest was Johnny Garcia, the lead, gar- lead guitar player for Garth Brooks. They go, wow, I want to oh, hear that mm-hmm. one. Right. You know, and, and you should be promoting those former guests. You know, and in particular, maybe there's something in the news that has come up that you, you can refer back to. You know, maybe Garth just won a big award. And so then you can refer back and say, hey, I talked to his lead guitarist. And this was, you know, this was what we talked about. So if you've got a podcast, what's absolutely critical, folks, is that people have to be able to access those prior interviews, um, you know, and, and make it easy for them. Don't make them have to. You know, well, do I have to go find that on iTunes or was it Google Play? You know, have it archived on your website. Yes, you have it on all those other platforms. But, you know, don't think, well, you know, it's it's old content. So people don't care. They do care. Some of my most listened to programs are the ones that were done several years ago. Well, and there's a a podcast that I listen to that shall remain nameless. I have noticed because certainly, Deb, I'm sure you get this, too. One of the things that everybody wants to talk about first when they start asking questions about podcasting is how do you monetize it? And there's a podcast that I listen to where I kind of scratch my head a little bit because the host says the the 10 most recent episodes of the podcast are available at, and then they give the website address. And now it's a case of anything prior to that, you can pay, I don't know, it's $2 or $5 a month. Uh, so, you know, it's anywhere from whatever that is, 24 to $60 a year to hear the old stuff. And I think, well, you know, unless you have this audience that's in the hundreds of thousands right. where that 24 to $60 a year really is going to add up, why would you all of a sudden tell someone that a podcast that you just did four months ago, they have to pay you a few bucks to go and access it and any others? I, I'm, I'm kind of turned off by that. But like I say... At the same time, um, if your listening audience is so huge, well, maybe it does add up and and maybe it doesn't take all that long for it to make some sort of significant amount in terms of the return on investment. Right. You know, but of course, the the problem also with that is they can't find those prior um, episodes. So they, they don't even know that they should pay to get it. Well, that's right. And if it looks like there's only 10 podcasts that have been done, they're going to say, well, this person looks like they haven't been at it that long. And maybe they'll skip over to someone else that looks like more of a veteran podcaster. Right. And that goes for guests also. You know, if if you're looking to be on a program, you want to see what, you know, you you probably want to listen to a couple things. You know, what is the process? Is it, you know, interview? Is it Q&A? You know, all of these various things. You know, you interview a lot of entertainment folks. So, you know, do they get the opportunity to perform? And if you can't listen to prior episodes, well, then you're probably going to go, okay, I'll go on to somebody else. Well, and here's the other thing is I have oftentimes heard that, and this is talking about the traditional media, which they don't yet include us podcasters as traditional media, but that when they are booking a guest, whether it's for their radio show or their television show, they want to look at your website and see, well, what else have you been on before we book you as a guest on our show? Because we're not going to take a chance Mm -hmm. on this being your first time in front of a television camera or your first time on the radio, and we don't know how that's going to go. So if you're not putting on your website all of the different interviews that you've gotten, you're probably shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to wondering, why am I not getting booked on other interviews? Well, because maybe some of those people have gone to your site to look and see what you've done, and they think that you haven't done anything yet, when in reality, maybe you've done 6, 10, 12, 18, two dozen interviews, and for whatever reason, you've just never taken the time to put them on your website. Right. You know, and, and that's so true from my perspective as the interviewer. You know, somebody might come to me and say, hey, I've written this great book. I've uh, you know, I have this great training program. You know, I'm I'm an expert on how to do direct marketing, you know, whatever it is. Can I be on your radio program? It's an hour long program. That's a lot of content that somebody has to fill. 
And granted, that is longer than many podcasts. But I also want to know, is this person going to actually be able to speak? You know, can they talk for longer than 10 seconds at a time? Are they going to do they do they have a good voice? You know, it's it's funny. We laugh that, you know, many people have a face for radio. <laughs> you also have to have a good voice for it. You know, are you um, you know, is your voice high pitched, low pitched? Um, do you have, you know, unfortunately, some people have speak speech problems. Do you say, you know, you know, you know, you know, or kind of like, you know, all those various things. I want to hear somebody or know that they've at least been on multiple programs before I book them. Indeed. But the point that I want to make at the same time is if you are someone who's considering starting a podcast, a lot of people will say, well, should I just talk myself or should I have guests on? Let me tell you the advantages of having a guest on, because if you consider some of the people that I have talked to on my podcast, I've had the keyboard player for Aerosmith. We already talked about the lead guitar player for Garth Brooks had the trumpet player for Billy Joel. I had the drummer for Joe Walsh. Uh, without getting into names, I've had a Grammy Award winner, a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, a Las Vegas headliner. Mm-hmm. I had two Emmy Award winners. And then I've even had people who have been on American Idol, The Voice in America's Got Talent. Right. So without a podcast, there is no way that I would have been able to have 45-minute long conversations with these folks, not to mention add them to my Rolodex. When I have them on my show... I feel that they are now a contact for me. I do my best to stay in touch with these people. If there's someone that I interview, quote unquote, long distance, meaning over Skype, then Mm -hmm. if I'm in their city or they're in my city, I do what I can to try to see if we can meet face to face. Mm -hmm. And it breaks down all kinds of barriers because all of a sudden there's this foundation that's been built. There's a relationship that's been started. And where else can you get not only that kind of reach, but foster those types of connections and amazingly enough, that's what having a podcast will do for you. And, right. and, it, and it really even becomes less and less about what the medium is. Mm-hmm. They don't say, oh, well, this is just a podcast. So many people are looking for as much promotion as they can get. And once you show them the types of guests they have on, they say, well, obviously, this guy's doing a good show if he's had those types of guests on. And that has helped me get better and better guests because how can you say no to a show that tells you, well, it, and, you know, and I don't say it in these words, but what you're quite frankly implying is it was good enough for the keyboard player for Aerosmith. It was good enough for the lead guitar player for Garth Brooks. It was good enough for, and you rattle off that list and they think, mm-hmm. well, who am I to turn down a show that Rock and Roll Hall of Famer took the time to be interviewed on or or a Las Vegas headliner gave 45 minutes of his time to be interviewed on? So all of a sudden, you develop all these connections that if you otherwise sat there in your business and looked to see who would be good connections to advance my business and you identified these types of people, well, what would be what would be your, your call to them? If you contacted them in some way, what would that sound like? Right. So with an interview, it's, hey, this is what I want to do for you. I want to promote you. I want to talk to you about, you know, X, Y, Z content. And all of a sudden you build these relationships all around the country. And in my case, I've had guests on from, I think we're up to nine different countries now. Mm -hmm. So these are relationships that can be established through the power of podcasting. Right. You know, and I've had people who have been thinking about doing a podcast or have listened to mine and they've said, oh my gosh, you have such great guests I could never ask those people to be on my program. Now, the cool thing is some of them have come to me, so that's always fun. But, you know, it, it the the least that's going to happen is you're told no or you or you get ignored. You right. you're never going to know what's going to happen unless you contact those folks. And, you know, be very clear, you know, tell them it is this long an interview. It is done via Skype. We, you know, whatever it is, you know, we schedule it at your convenience. You know, you make it as easy for them to say yes as you possibly can. If I were to just say, hey, Bruce, do you want to be on my podcast sometime? I'd probably get crickets. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you have to you have to tell them what the benefit is to them. Right. When I contact a potential guest, I make sure that I let them know that we will play two of your original songs mm-hmm. and multiple plugs will be given for your website, your social media, your live dates, as well as where and how people can go and see you perform live. 
And that's good enough for the guests to hear. They say, great, this guy's going to give me all kinds of promotion. And then, like I say, they they fall back onto, and he's had these types of guests on. Right. This sounds like it's a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, and you will be told no on occasion. You sure, know, and, and, of course. You know, I've in, you know, I've been doing this. And actually, Bruce, I just looked it up. You are program number 300. Ah. <laughs> You know, I'd made a note of that and then I, of course, forgot. So, you know, obviously I've been doing this quite a while, but, you know, I have had people tell me no. I've had some folks that said I couldn't talk that long. Well, part of my job is to make sure they can talk that long. So that's in my preparation. That's reading their books. That's getting talking points, you know, all of those various things. And it was funny because I had one person that told me, well, I can't talk that long. And I said, well, that's funny. I just watched you give a 45-minute presentation. <laughs> but you know, clearly they didn't want to do the program. Fine. You know, I'm, I'm not going to push them. Um, I, had, uh, I had one person who um, is a well-known person, very well-known in the social media arena. And originally when I did the program, that was what I focused on. And, and this person said, oh, good gosh, yes, I would love to do it. Thanks for asking me. Here's my assistant's contact information. She'll get it scheduled. And I contacted her and I got back. Do not ever contact him again. Wow. And I was like, okay, do I tattle on her or, and I just let it drop. You know, it was, wow. it was one of those things I thought, you know, whatever. Um, and clearly I remembered it and I do remember who he was. And the funny thing is he came back to me at one point and said, Can I, I want to be on your program. And I said, no, not so much. Um, it, which was, you know, granted, probably a little petty of me, but, um, you know, it, you will be told no. You'll also, you know, I've had some people who have said, you know, this program is an hour long and they've said, really, I'm only comfortable doing 30 minutes. Okay, you know what? I can adapt to that if it's a guest that I really want. So, you know, as the host, you have to be flexible. I have had a couple people that have said we don't want to do Skype for whatever reason. There's other ways to be able to do that. So, you know, again, you want to make it as easy for your guest as you possibly can. Yes, and the bottom line here is that it's promotion for everybody. So starting up your own podcast instead of waiting around for someone to book you on theirs is a way to promote yourself every episode. I didn't say every day. I didn't say every week because, again, it falls back on what you decide is the most conducive release schedule for you and for that show. But you control the messaging, and obviously it's something that will help promote the guest. And so if you're really looking to take the next step with your business in terms of marketing yourself, marketing your brand, marketing whatever it is that your business serves, then podcasting is a fantastic tool because you don't have to rely on someone to book you to be on their show. You don't have to rely on someone to interview you to write an article about you. You don't have to wait for there to be news within the company to put out a press release. So I can't say, as you can tell, enough good things about podcasting and, and what it has done, what it is doing, what I know it's going to continue to do for me. Right. Well, that does kind of bring me to a thought, though, in that, you know, people, you can tell them, hey, you should do a podcast, you know, all these various things. But then they'll say, why would somebody want to listen to me? So why did you decide that you had information that you really should be doing a podcast about? And, you know, what what basically qualified you to do a podcast? Well, there's a couple things here. You know, we hear about people who are experts in their industry. We we hear about people that are influencers. We hear about people who are kind of the authority, the go-to. And in my case, I thought, okay, well, I have been doing this. I have had enough experience and I have enough stories to tell and I've worked with enough people that I almost felt that I got I feel like saying that I was keeping it all to myself. Right. Um, it's kind of it's kind well, of a strange it's critical that you share it. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, I see the struggle because of the clients that I work with day in and day out. And I know that there are scores of them out there that need to hear from someone. Number one, you're not alone. Number two, don't give up. And number three, here are some things that I have witnessed firsthand. Mm-hmm. So when I'm storytelling, it's stories that I have been in the trenches of. So I thought, well, a podcast is a great way for me to get out those viewpoints of mine. And really, that's kind of what 
shaped how the show was going to be presented. As a PR person, I thought, okay, this has to be something entertaining. It has to be something that people will want to listen to. It has to be something that is of good promotional value to the guest. However, because I do have a lot of experience that I want to share, I want it to be educational. So I want to interview the guest in a how-to type fashion. And I do want to give out a tip in the middle of every show Mm -hmm. so that people can hear those tips and say, ah, okay, he's got a good point there. I need to start doing that. And that is what eventually uh, launched the the ebook series, which is a collection of all of those tips that I've given out because I have stopped and thought, well, gosh, you know, more than 180 episodes into my show, as you and I discussed earlier, Deb, if someone all of a sudden found me now and said, gee, I really like these tips he gives out in the middle of his show each week. These are really beneficial. They're not as much as I would like them to. They're not going to go all the way back to episode one and start listening to all the shows all over again just to find where did he give out the bonus, the tip, in the middle of this episode and then go to it and write it down. So I thought, well, gosh, it would be so so much easier if they could just buy an ebook that has a collection of all these. And so as a nod to Casey Kasem with his old American Top 40, I thought, well, I'll put 40 tips in each book. So volume one is is the tip from episodes one to 40. Volume two is 41 to 80. Volume three is 81 to 120. And in volumes two and three, I started adding even more content and saying, well, yes, the, the information that I'm giving out, there's value to it. These are very helpful tips. However, my my guests also give out a lot of good information. And I want to include something from the guest in the book as well. So there's really something there that could be consumed from each episode, both from my vantage point as well as whoever the guest was. Right. You know, and it's funny because as I was reading Bruce's bonus book, Volume 3, um, you, it does have that information. It's got a tip from you and a tip from your guest. And the, the promotions person in me went, oh, there's two social media posts right there. Um, you know, and, and they're obviously after the fact. And so then you would say, hey, you know, I was talking to X person. Here was their tip. Or maybe you make it a meme. And then people know, okay, to hear the full one, they want to go back and listen to your program. And, and it's as you, you know, as we were saying at the start of the program, it's all about multipurposing the content. That's right. So, you know, you made books out of this. It's also social media posts. Somebody could, you know, you could uh, take each one of your tips, I'm sure, and make a blog post about them. You know, and, and so it really is about giving people as much content as basically they can take in. Well, ironically, on the Instagram account that I have set up just for the podcast, there are certain days when that day's Instagram post will be a quote from a past episode. And it's not even taken from the book. It's just something that was said that I feel would be inspirational for someone to see on Instagram. But yes, obviously, I reference which episode it was and how they can find it so that just someone seeing a quote on Instagram might convert them into being a listener. But let's also be clear here. Obviously, having an ebook can be another way to monetize your podcast, right. not to mention build your mailing list and thus get people into your sales funnel. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and it's it's also something, and this was one of the tips from your book, <laughs> it's a way to keep promoting your guest. You know, and, and that really is something that we should carry forward. Um, you know, you mentioned staying in contact with them because, you know, it, it is great context that you're making with these folks. So then just think if they see, you know, that you did a, an Instagram, a Facebook, a LinkedIn, a, uh, a, you know, you sent out a tweet, all these various things talking about them again. They're like, ooh, ooh, Bruce thought about me again. And then, oh, you know, maybe I need to contact Bruce to go back on his program. You know, all these various things. But it is about kind of paying it forward and helping out other people. You know, a lot of your guests are new artists. You know, I'm not going to call them struggling because they're new artists. You know, and, and many of them are are not struggling at all. They, you know, you've mentioned some of the folks. And, you know, and, and so, you know, it's it's it, they they are getting quite a bit of promotion as it is. But, you know, anytime you're promoting something that some of your guests have done, that's a warm, fuzzy feeling. And so then hopefully they might do the same thing to you. Absolutely. And there's days when, you know, we all have those days when we scratch our heads and we look at the time and we say, "Uh oh, I don't know what I'm going to post on social media today. And mind you, this is coming from someone who does an entire social media calendar for the whole month. However, 
there's still holes on that calendar where you say, well, I've got the overwhelming majority of the dates filled. And all of a sudden you tell yourself, I'll fill in those other ones another time. Well, now you're sitting there on one of those times and on that day you're saying, what am I going to put up? And in my case, I do have the luxury of having interviewed so many artists that I will put on my calendar if I see someone else posting on social media, hey, everybody, my new album is coming out on insert date here. I will go put that on my social media calendar so that I can congratulate them on social media that day. And as you said, Deb, it shows them, wow, Bruce was thinking of me. That was awful nice of him. I haven't been on his show in, gosh, maybe a year. That was really nice of him to do that. And I'm not doing it for any other reason than so that I don't go dark on social media that day. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not looking to gain anything from it, but it continues that relationship. And in July, I was in Nashville, and I must have seen probably seven, eight, nine people that I've actually set up appointments with to go out of my way to have breakfast with or to have lunch with or to make sure that I had a meeting with just because they were on my program and I want to stay in touch with them because you can never have too many contacts. Right. You know, and that is, of course, one of the reasons why someone should do a podcast. It is about networking. It's about making those connections. You know, I have met some of the absolute coolest people, you know, many of them just virtually through doing my program. And, you know, it's it's fabulous to be able to think, wow, I met that person or, you know, and, and whether it's that I see them on TV or I see a Facebook post or, or whatever, it's like, oh, I, I know them. I've talked with them. That's right. And, you know, there's the, the, the networking aspect. You can't sell that short for a minute because mm-hmm. in February of next year, I'm going to be a speaker at PodFest in Orlando. And it's wow. a huge event mm-hmm. that they're expecting close to a thousand people. This is mm-hmm. beginner, intermediate, advanced uh, current podcasters, uh, about to be podcasters. So I've already been told that I'm going to be a speaker at PodFest next February in Orlando. Well, the last, the 2017 version of PodFest, I facilitated a panel discussion Mm -hmm. at that version of the event. And so as a result, what does that do? It enables you to interact with the people on the panel and get to know them. Well, one of those people was the founder of DC PodFest, meaning PodFest that will take place in our nation's capital this November. Mm -hmm. And I have now been told that I will be a speaker at DC PodFest in November in Washington, DC. So, you know, if it wasn't for PodFest in Orlando in February, then I wouldn't have met this person and I wouldn't be getting this additional speaking opportunity. So, you know, the networking is one aspect and becoming a speaker, because what happens is you become more marketable. Now, instead Mm -hmm. of just being Bruce Wozniak, the founder and president of Now Hear This, you are Bruce Wozniak, the founder and president of Now Hear This. You're also the author of the ebook series, Bruce's Bonus Book, and you're the host of Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. So all of a sudden you become that much more attractive and someone looks at you and says, well, this person obviously has a lot of content and can bring a lot of value to my conference. So let's make sure we get Bruce as a speaker. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and it's funny, as you were were talking about this, I was thinking, you know, about people again who are thinking about doing this. And then they're thinking, my gosh, who am I going to talk to? And, you know, your niche is entertainment. Mine is business. You know, for somebody else, it might be talking with their local business leaders. Or, you know, I've, I've interviewed, <coughs> interviewed someone on the program several weeks ago who has a passion for working with nonprofits. So just think if, if he interviewed a different person at a different nonprofit organization once a week, you know, all these various things the, my point is that the, the opportunities are absolutely endless. You know, whatever you think somebody might be interested in, somebody probably is interested in it. Well, and perhaps the, the most telling in terms of the benefits of podcasting is an announcement that we recently made that, I signed an agreement with Tascam. Uh, They are a a leader in audio solutions. And that was another connection that I made through networking because Mm -hmm. I'm based in Tampa, Florida. And we have an organization down here called the Florida Podcasters Association. And to make a very long story very short, through a contact with the Florida Podcasters Association, I got connected to Tascam and was able to go to a major music industry event in January out in Anaheim. And there was such success that they felt that they had 
at their booth because of what I delivered to them. We continued the discussions and it really kind of became, okay, it's not we should work together. It's how should we work together because yes. we know we're going to. Mm -hmm. And so what they saw from me gave them the confidence that this guy knows what he's doing. So where can we go with him together? And so seeking opportunities for your business as a result of your podcast is something that has to be done with a wide view and not just, I guess I have to look for sponsors for my show because now look at me. How have I, you could, you could say that I have monetized my now hear this entertainment podcast by signing on with Tascam to do a podcast for them. So right. we have launched a show called Tascam Talkback that I am hosting and producing for them because again, here is a major international company that looked at podcasting and said, yes, absolutely, this is a slam dunk. This is very much a fit for us. However, we don't know how to actually do podcasting. So instead of hiring a full-time employee and having to pay him or her a full-time salary and benefits, let's just outsource it to an expert who already knows how to do it. Because one thing that I tell brand new podcasters is, look, you know, there's a learning curve here and you may want to consider just going to a recording studio and let them record for you because mm -hmm. otherwise you're right. going to have to invest in the equipment. You're going to have to invest the time to learn the equipment. Then you're going to have to get editing software and learn that software. And we don't want to give people more and more reasons to not start their podcast. That's the biggest right. thing I see is people who say, I want to start a podcast, but I'm just not ready yet. Mm -hmm. you, nobody's ever ready. Just start it. Right. And your first ones, you know, let's let's face it, probably aren't going to be absolutely spectacular. As you said, there is a learning curve. You know, we have learned through this. OK, this is the microphone we need to have. This is the software we need to have. This is the room we need to be in. You know, all of these various things. And some of it we've learned kind of the hard way, um, you know, and, and, you know, some various things like that. But that's where, you know, maybe if you're thinking about starting out, be a guest first. You know, you you have information. You know, you talked about the fact that you wanted to start your podcast because you had all that information that you wanted to impart. Well, you could have also done that as a guest. So that helps you get comfortable with it. Just let folks know, you know, it's my first time. You know, maybe do a trial run with with your friends, you know, so that you can make sure that your sound is good. You know, all those various things. It's funny. We'll forgive a lot of things, but bad sound, especially for a podcast, is not one of them. Indeed. And really, the, the other thing that you can do is listen to other podcasts that you think would be similar to the one that you want to start and then right. kind of make some notes and say, well, this is something I would do a little bit differently if I was doing a show like theirs. And all of a sudden you start to form what is going to become yours. So in my case, I know that there's tons and tons of music podcasts out there where they're interviewing Bruce Springsteen. They're interviewing Katy Perry. They're interviewing John Mayer. Well, I didn't want to interview those kind of people because I wanted to put an emphasis on business. So I ask a lot of how to type questions for the benefit of the listeners who are aspiring entertainers that are looking for tips and how to get ahead in the business so in other words, I decided I don't want to do your run of the mill talk about and play music show. So the listeners will hear that you are aiming to be of service to them and that you're not just directly selling them. And in the process, you'll be establishing yourself as a leader in your field. And, and then the folks hearing your show will want to do business with you. So that's what I do is I and I, and, and I think, Deb, that my guests enjoy that it's a little bit of a refreshing change that I'm not asking them the same predictable questions. So when they when they kind of get used to saying the same answers over and over and they talk about a song that they got placed on a certain television show, I'll say, hold on a second. How did you get that placed on that show? That connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, that was really great when that happened. I'll tell you, I was, I was it was really exciting. And they'll try to move on and I'll say, I'm sorry. We have listeners that want to know how they can get their music placed in film and television. So I'm asking you, how actually, what were the mechanics? Mm -hmm. Did you use an agency? Did you know somebody? Did you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then they kind of, the light goes on and they think, wow, he's actually interested in knowing all the steps that were required to get my song on that show. So all of a sudden it does become more emphasis on business and not just, wow, wasn't that a great song? You must right. be excited about your new album. Duh. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's what every 
other interviewer asks them. And so that that's why I'm sure they think, well, oh, I like this. Exactly. Exactly. They 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 see that you're showing an interest in what they're doing and, and the depth of your research will show in that as well. And I will have people that will say, wow, Bruce, you really did your homework. And what I came to learn is, and it took me a while to figure this out, but it turns out that one of the best compliments I get is when a guest tells me, wow, that's a really good question. Wow, Bruce, hmm, great question. Let me think, you know, so they recognize that you have really taken your time to put some organization and some rationale and some research into interviewing them. Right. You know, and as a host, that's kind of your responsibility. You know, I mentioned that anytime someone has a book and they're you know coming on my program to talk about the book, I read it. And I can't tell you how many times people have said, oh, my gosh, you actually did read my book. Well, how can I talk about it if I didn't read it? Exactly. Plus, I'm, you know, I I get to learn. So, you know, some of the coolest books in the world I get to read. And, you know, and and I want to talk specifically about some of your tips in, in a moment. But, you know, you do have to do your research. You go to their website. You know, in your case, you listen to their music. I read their books. I read their blog posts. You know, I might look at their social media, all these various things. Because it's about having that conversation with somebody, you know, and, and I told people, it's like you and I are sitting down having a cup of coffee. What are we going to talk about? You know, and, and so I'm not going to say, well, you know, you just published this book and then I go merrily along. I'm going to say, hey, you know, I want to talk about that tip that you talked about. And then we get very specific, um, you know, and, and that's that's what makes a good interviewer. You know, it is being prepared to to do those interviews and have those questions. You know, I also ask my guests for speaking points and things that they want to make sure we mention. Do we always mention them? No. Now, you know, there are obviously some things that I really do. You know, if you're promoting a book, I'm going to talk about the book. But, you know, other things, you know, we might not always hit all of them. But I want to know what my guests want to talk about. And for so many of them, they're like, whoa, nobody's ever asked me that. And I've had some that have come back and said, whatever you want to talk about. I said, no, 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 no. You wanted to be on my program. What do you want to talk about? Right. And, you know, it's it does it take, you know, time? Sure. You know, each program takes several hours of my time to do, you know, more or less, depending on how much preparation I'm doing. You know, some some books are rather lengthy, take me a little bit longer to read, you know, or I'm having to read lots of blog posts, things like that. But to me, it's worth it to have a great interview. Well, and in my case, every once in a while, I will challenge myself and say, okay, let's break this up a little bit. Instead of having a performer on, let me interview someone who's in the business who isn't necessarily a performer. So whether that be someone from the recording studio, or I had someone on who owned a publishing company in Nashville, I had a radio person on. And then a little bit more recently, I had on an entertainment attorney, but I did exactly what you just described. This person came on my radar because their PR person sent me an email saying that this is the book that he's written and we're looking to get him interviews, et cetera, et cetera. And I told myself, well, whether he's a good guest or not, I can't bring him on the show without reading his book. I just, I don't know how you do that kind of interview. And selfishly, I thought, well, heck, this will be a great learning opportunity for me since he's writing about the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. So I said, send me a copy of the book, let me read it. And, you know, if I'm impressed enough to have him on the show, then we'll do it. And lo and behold, it was, you know, a a perfect match, but only after I had made sure that I read the book first. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and guests, if you have written a book and you want to talk about it, please provide a copy to the interviewer. You know, don't make them buy it. Now, it seems, you know, it it is sometimes kind of counterintuitive. You are wanting to sell copies of your book, and we understand that. But if I were to pay for every single book for, I mean, I'd go broke, I mean, you know, it's just, and, and so I asked for an e-version, you know, the cheap version, the free version, you know, all those various things. But, you know, I have had guests who have told me, well, here's the link on Amazon and it's 1495. Wow. Really? You know, and, and, or, you know, they, they just make it difficult. So as a host, I want to make things easy for my guests. Guests make it easy for the host also. And how I support that a hundred percent. Well, speaking of your book, which is available, your books, you have three, um, they are available on Amazon. And um, it's funny, as we, or are they available on Amazon? And they're, not on, okay. they're not on Amazon yet. Okay. So right now, I would tell everyone to go to brucesbonusbook.com 
And you can purchase and download them there. Bruce'sBonusBook.com. I love it. You know, and as I was reading volume three, it struck me that while you were writing it from the entertainment industry perspective, it was something that would apply to virtually anyone who is promoting themselves, especially someone like a speaker. Um, because it, it, let's face it, when we are, you know, professional speakers, it's, it's entertainment also. But, you know, maybe you are the solopreneur, you know, and, and, uh, or, you know, the, the small business owner who you are your product. You know, you've got to go out, you've got to meet people. And I loved, you know, your tips because so many of them were so spot on. So I want to talk Thank about, you. you know, several, you know, there was one, and actually this was probably in there a couple of times. It was always think of wherever you're going to present as being um, Madison Square Garden. You know, even if it's just the rotary down the, the you know, the rotary group down the, the street, because that leads up to being able to go to Madison Square Garden. And, you know, the, the key point in, you know, several of them was don't ever just phone it in, you know, just because it's not the $10,000 keynote presentation and it's the little freebie presentation that you're doing for Kiwanis or Rotary or your church group or whoever you still have to give it 100% all the time. That's right. That's right. And, and and I'm not agreeing with you because I'm the one that wrote it. I'm agreeing with you because if you take kind of the the mentality that, well, that I, I get where you're coming from, Deb, but trust me, you don't know this group. I can half-ass it. Well, then right. don't complain a week, a month, six months later when you're not getting additional bookings. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I, wa- I want to thank you for, for recognizing that uh, some of those tips – um, really aren't necessarily just for entertainers. I had done uh, an interview on someone else's show, and the host, uh, she said she made a similar comment. She said that what I had published, uh, she felt that the, the e-books could actually help business people. And so I, I like the comparison that you're making with speakers because obviously I have written all these from the standpoint of, as I said earlier on in the interview, observations that I have made over the years. I founded well, actually, now here this became incorporated in the state of Florida in 2004. So we're talking 13 years at least wow. of me having opportunities mm-hmm. to work with clients day in and day out, locally, nationally, and just a variety of circumstances. And even, I, I will say, potential clients, meaning people who have contacted me that I have had to turn away for one reason or another. And in some cases, Someone listening to this is going to say, well, you, maybe you should have taken them on as a client and righted the ship for them. But sometimes it was a case of seeing someone and thinking, oh, my gosh, these people are a train wreck. You know, right. whether I can help there's them or not. There's only so much you can do. Yeah, there's only so much I can do. And, 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 you know, my name is on it. So I don't know that I want to be associated with it in some cases. But I really feel that if people are that serious about their career and they make this minor investment in purchasing these ebooks, they'll see that I'm not asking them to reinvent the wheel. I'm not asking right. them, you know, spend this small amount on these ebooks and then go out and spend thousands of dollars to activate what I've told you inside. Not at all. A lot of these things are very simple and common sense. And I have done speeches where I have stood up in a crowd, or I'm sorry, stood up in front of a crowd and said, quite frankly, if these seem that they are rather obvious to you, then you need to do a self audit and say, then why aren't you doing them? Right. And I do see people kind of getting a little squeamish in yeah, their chair. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you can tell that they're saying, well, I, I guess maybe I'm not doing the one that he just talked about a couple minutes ago, or I guess I'm not talking about bullet point number three that's up on his PowerPoint right now. So you can mm-hmm. see that. And, and I have had people come up to me and say, you know, privately, thank you, Bruce, you know, shame on me that I'm not doing insert tip here. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and so many of them in your book really were common sense, but you're right. It's, you know, sometimes we have to be hit over the head with it because, you know, that our common sense departed, like always have good images. Um, you know, always, you know, in the, you know, for entertainment value or not value for entertainment purposes, it has to be good quality. Um, you know, if you are, promoting yourself as a singer, as an entertainer, you had darn well better have good quality of audio, at least, that you are putting out there. And I don't care if that's Facebook Live, if that's YouTube, you know, your website, all those various things. And the same thing goes for a speaker. You know, the the worst thing would be if you had, a you know, a 
clip up there of you and you know and there was there was bad sound there was well then why would somebody want to hire you um you know and 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 again it seems like these are common sense tips but how many times have we seen that you know we've we've you know we're connected with say an entertainer on facebook and they're you know promoting a new song that they wrote it's a fabulous new song you can tell that but the audio is so bad that you really can't get that much of the song or you know they you know I, I there's a social media person i know who every day does a tip from the bathroom i'm like really wow. okay wow. um and you know and and that's actually kind of her shtick to do that but i'm also thinking how many people get caught up in the fact that it's the tip from the bathroom as opposed to hey this is a valuable piece of information yeah as opposed to what the actual tip is and right. and, and of course what happens is People get so caught up in today's technology and they say, but it's so simple for me to use my iPhone. And and recently I had, and so here's a case of where you can see that these tips don't apply to just people in the entertainment business. I had a sales trainer come to me and he said, hey, I got booked for this gig. I'm going to be uh, doing a presentation at this couple day seminar. And um, you know that I'm starting up a website. So uh, what do you think? Should I just maybe prop up my iPhone um, on, on, a, on a table in front and, and get some footage of myself speaking. And I looked at him to see if he was joking and he was a hundred percent serious. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely not. And he looked at me and he said, well, video is important, right? And I said, it's so important that I hope you're not going to use your iPhone. I said, you need to have someone actually there shooting video that can be edited, that right. you can put on a website with confidence that someone's going to look at and say, wow, we need to book this guy for our next event because all they got to do is see one shaky iPhone video or one video where it was people walking back and forth in front of it because they didn't realize somebody was videoing it. And they're going to say, this is amateur hour. This is not the guy that we need for our next conference. And they're going to move on and book someone else. Right. You know, and yes, there is an investment, you know, you have to hire the videographer, you know, and maybe an iPhone is acceptable. Uh, you know, I'm saying that very, very grudgingly. But spend 20 bucks and get a mic, you know, that, that is attaching to it and then to your lapel so that you have good sound. You know, all of these various things, it's it's not a huge investment. I mean, you know, you really want to do this, it's under 500 bucks, folks. You know, we're not talking a ton of money. But Again, that depends on what you want to do. I mean, you know, if you want to be someone who, you know, that Bruce might be working with, who's going to be pitching songs to TV, to um, to top name performers, all those various things, then you have to have top flight equipment, um, you know, and, and because, again, you don't want them to overlook you. If you want to be booked as a speaker that you're going to charge $10,000 for a keynote presentation, then you had darn well better have great production value yeah you better look like a ten thousand dollar speaker and and here's the flip side of of what i just said with all the technology today everybody does want to do things like facebook live yet they forget when the broadcast is over that that video is available to you so utilize it don't let it go away Mm -hmm. archive that and put it on your youtube channel because you always want to be putting new content on all your different platforms so don't look at facebook live as well it's no longer live we're quote unquote off the air well great you just you just created Created content for your YouTube channel and you didn't even realize it. Right. And even more important, you can edit that that video. Absolutely. You know, so maybe at the start you've you've acknowledged, you know, you said, okay, well, we're gonna wait for everybody to get here and blah blah blah. Oh hi, Bruce. I see you've logged, you know, all those re- okay, edit that out. Folks. Exactly. <laughs> so oh my gosh, Bruce, we have, have already done our hours worth of program and we've just barely touched on this. This is so <laughs> fascinating. I love this. And I know that clearly you're going to be doing um, Bruce's bonus book, Volume 4. So we will yes. have you on again. But in the meantime, tell folks how they connect with you and find you online. Well, if you just go to nowhearthis.biz, uh, B-I-Z, or as they say in Canada, B-I-Z, and keep in mind that now hear this, that's H-E-A-R, now here, this dot biz will be your home for basically everything that we've talked about. So the blog is there. The podcast is there. The Bruce's bonus books are there. And obviously on now here, this dot biz, you'll also find icons that you can click on to not only go to the different platforms where you can listen to the podcast if you don't want to sit at the computer and listen to it there. But you'll also find all the social media icons there to go and engage on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram. 
Great. Well, and the thing that we didn't even mention is that your business also works with people to promote them, you know, whether it's an entertainer, speaker, you know, things like that. So if you fall in that realm, please make sure that you check out Bruce. Yeah. And even uh, authors, small businesses, I do have an Olympic athlete client. So the services are pretty diverse and, and certainly not limited to just entertainers. Great. Well, Bruce, you know, as as I said, we're at the top of the hour. We will have you back on when we have volume four out. I would love to be able to talk about that. Great. I'd love to speak Great. again. Great. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a fabulous time talking with Bruce Warzniak. And until next time, everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.